Hey, quick note before the podcast. We're testing out some video content. So make sure you search Joe Momo Presents on YouTube or go to the link in the description. Let me know what you guys think. All right, take care. Bye. Hey, what's up, podcast family? This week, I talked to Lorna Johnston. Lorna is the founder of the Change Institute. Lorna has helped leaders and their teams change how they lead and live for over 25 years. She's one of only a few consultants and change agents in the world with dual qualifications in the change model of transactional analysis. The Change Institute works with businesses, organizations, and individuals in countries all around the world. On the podcast, we talk about how human dynamics cause business issues, how to ease the mental and emotional toll of leadership decision-making, using psychological principles to make sound business decisions, and much, much more. Remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You get awesome local leaders, entrepreneur stories each week, jam-packed with their unique insights. Leave me feedback at joe at codessa.io on some of the questions or stories you want to hear. I read them all, not to the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Lorna. Thank you very much, Joe. Well, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. You're a leadership development um, professional. Uh, you're actually a U of A alumni as well, just like myself. Um, but before we get to all of that, perhaps give us a little backstory and kind of tell us who Lorna is. Okay. Well, the older I get, the more there is to tell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who am I? Well, I grew up in Saskatchewan, and I think that uh, I remember my days working at Shell, but many of the executives worked uh, were from Saskatchewan, and I'm always proud of my Saskatchewan roots because I think we are just people that are pretty grounded and just regular folks. So that's where I come from. I my journey of leadership really started uh, with my first career in human resources where I had lots of exposure to working with different kinds of leaders. And I think it was then when I realized just how important leaders are in our professional life. They can make or break our experience really. So in my HR management days, I spent lots of time really thinking about how leaders can foster people enjoying coming to work and enjoying the role and really being able to perform. Um, I ended up in HR after swearing, uh, after I graduated with my MBA that I would never work in human resources. And in those years, it was uh, the feminine role in a business, whereas the masculine roles in businesses were all those other tough things like finance. Uh, so I ended up doing exactly what I said I wouldn't do. And it was one of the best gifts I ever had because I fell in love with really understanding the human side of organizations. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, really, that's really awesome. Were you always, I guess, curious about leadership and um, leadership development as even as a kid or even growing up? Or is that something you kind of fell into as you grew um, through your career? Well, I grew up in a family where um, 
there was a bit of a, an idea of harmony at all costs. But when harmony is at all costs, it really is a high cost because it means that people do engage in conflict, but it's not really direct. Uh, and I grew up in a family where I had an ill brother and it was never really talked about. So I kind of remember thinking about how difficult it is to not know what's really going on because nobody is saying anything directly. So that really shaped my, I think, curiosity about what makes people tick, what makes me, what makes me go around. I was reading books as an 18-year-old. Uh, I remember reading Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning because I think I've always wanted to understand people and understand families. So that was really my biggest interest. So uh, while I love business, the part of business that I love is really understanding and helping people understand the human side of a business and the communication. I think it's because I grew up in a family that didn't communicate very directly. There was lots of teasing and lots of just not talking about things that I developed a real passion and in fact my life is facilitating conversations it's what i've done for a living my whole life and mediation is just a really difficult conversation because people are really upset or angry or entrenched in a position um, oftentimes in teams people aren't talking very openly they can be quite competitive or withdrawn, but there isn't this openness to really show up and share what people are thinking about or feeling about or having ideas about. So communication and talking and being open and risking people being disappointed is what I do for a living. Because I, I think what doesn't get talked out gets acted out. So I'm all about talking it out. And as long as nobody leaves the conversation, because that's the ultimate power play, I think anything can happen positively. You just have to stay the course. And many people quit too soon. Ooh, wow, I love that. That's really powerful. And speaking about what you do for a living, perhaps maybe give a brief, um, I guess, Cole's notes of what uh, Lorna does. I know you're the Tech of Canada um, Master Chair and the founder of the Change, Inst Change Institute, but um, perhaps gives a little bit of context of uh, those roles. That's a really great idea. I was thinking as I was talking that I'm talking out of context. So thanks for that question, Joe. Uh, what do I do? Uh, I did leave Shell and uh, started a business that at the time wasn't called the Change Institute. It is what it's called now. Uh, because I was, I, I left Shell and was teaching human resource management and organizational behavior at third level institutions. And I always had adult students and they got really excited learning about the human side of organizations, which is what organizational behavior is all about. In the textbook at, at the time, there was a, a model called transactional analysis, 
which is a model of human behavior. It was applied to human behavior at work. Me and the classes I taught fell in love with that uh, model. So I did teach for a couple of years. And then as my students invited me into their organization to work with their teams, I thought, ah, I guess now I'm a consultant. So what does that mean? Buyer beware is what I want to say when people call themselves consultants. And I thought, I uh, have a really great education. I've got some great experience. I have my own ideas about what, what uh, organizations could be doing to make them thriving, abundant places for people to do good work in. But where is the cohesive, what informs what I think? And transactional analysis became this wide, deep model that informed what and why I did things with a team. And it's a world-recognized model. So the Germans really developed the model uh, in applying it to organizational settings. So I became a consultant. I worked, uh, I learned very early on I only wanted to work with uh, leaders and the higher in the organization, the better, because the leaders are the architects of the system. And when they develop, when they get the impact of their behavior, their communication, the way they relate, the way they think, when they really get the impact they have on people and focus on wanting to make that impact really positive, the whole system changes. So that became for many years the focus of my work, working with leadership teams. I, uh, my husband and I took our kids out of school and traveled for a year. We lived in Ireland. And that's really where I, I, I settled in applying my work in teams in Europe. So I've had this business in Europe for, I commuted for many years. So consulting and and really facilitating change among leaders and whole systems, always focusing on the human side. When I decided to not uh, spend so much time in Europe, even though my, I lived in Calgary, my professional life was in Europe, and I moved back, uh, my, I closed my business and moved, I mean, my body was here. I guess I moved my psychological a uh, sense of belonging back to Calgary just before the flight of 2013. And I had a training institute because I am qualified to teach people this model to apply them to apply to organizations. But I also am a qualified transactional analyst in clinical applications because along that consulting journey, I realized there are lots of leaders that really suffer with mental and emotional distress, anxiety, depression, insomnia, addictions, difficult marriages. So I wanted to be uh, knowledgeable about what mental health and mental illness look like, but I really wanted to have more skills in helping the leaders that I was working with. So um, I started a training institute because I wanted more people to have this skill set uh, when they were working with organizations and when the flood happened in 2013, um, it all went down the river. So I had no materials, I had no curriculum, whatever I had was in my head. And that's when Tech Canada came 
knocking and asked if I'd be interested in being a chair with them, their private company, a peer group organization. And uh, as a chair, I would uh, build and invite a group of business owning uh, CEOs, chief executives and presidents from non-competing business to come together and work with me once a month as a group and once a month with everybody individually. So my dream just came true. I just was able to work in Canada, in my home country, my home city, working with leaders and their teams in doing individual development as well as uh, creating a group that they could use each other to really develop themselves and their businesses. So it's been a fantastic experience. I feel very grateful that tech phoned that day. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great story. I think, yeah, just our journeys, even entrepreneurs as well, um, you go through ups and downs and at the end of the day, as long as you keep with it and um, just follow the process, I think you'll, you'll be a-okay. Um, well, and what I found too, Joe, with working with, uh, with my group at Tech, uh, I was doing that for about three years and, and two years ago, I thought, what happened to my dream of actually giving leaders an opportunity to learn more about their own human process and their own leadership as a human being? So I developed a training program, Leadership from the Inside Out, that is, is informed and based on this model of change called transactional analysis. And I, I love it too. A couple of my group members have participated. One brought their whole team to the program. So what I really get excited about and the change that's happened, I think in Calgary and in recent times is the awareness of human development has to be first before you even think of how to be a great leader because a leader is a person and if that leader doesn't really know themselves very well or isn't understanding how they relate or not how they communicate well or not um, they're really compromised at taking the organization to the highest of the potential of the organization. So in these few years, another dream has come true because I've had now five groups of leaders participate in this, this year long program. It's one day a month for 10 months. Um, and it's been really, I get such uh, rewarding feedback about the value to them of, of course, their bottom line. We're talking about business. So business is about making money. Absolutely, they make more money. Uh, some of them have made extraordinarily large amounts of more money, which is wonderfully uh, successful for business. But I get really equally excited about people saying how, how much more confident they feel in their role and in their own skin. And some of them come and say their, their spouses thank me for them taking this program because they're, 
They're different parents. They parent differently. They partner differently. They lead differently. So I'm really grateful that I, um, that I did that and that I sucked up my courage and just decided to go for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, on that note, I, I, I really wanted to ask you, um, since you're always interacting with leaders and um, management level um, executives, what's maybe one common theme or maybe one unique skill that you see uh, a lot of successful leaders have, or even yourself? What do they all have? They don't quit. I think being a leader is a hard job. It's a, it's lonely. Uh, they feel lonely. They feel enormously responsible for so many people's lives and they recognize the impact that their leadership has on, on the whole system. Those are the successful leaders. Now there's a whack of leaders out there that frankly don't reflect enough about their role and how they need to develop themselves in the role they just do it and i think the the worst kind of leader is a mindless one that isn't willing to do the hard work of reflecting on how are they doing that role and how can they do it uh more impactfully more skillfully because uh, it's really important. They, they affect so many people's lives. They need to learn to love their people. Absolutely. What would you say one common myth about leadership in general um, that you wish would uh, be debunked? Well, the old myth used to be that leaders are born. I think we've shot that one down. I hope we have because that that notion is like 60 years old. So leaders are definitely not born. Um, and I think there is a myth of leadership that it needs to be, people need to be extroverted to be leaders. Totally not true. I sometimes think the, the introverted leaders are the ones that are more reflective perhaps and the ones that just go for broke and do it that old entrepreneurial profile of let's just do it, you know, hang the consequences. That doesn't always serve uh, leaders very well. I think another myth of leaders that other people have is that leaders have it all together. They know what they're doing and they know what they're supposed to do and that they have it all together. And they don't have it together any more than the rest of us. Uh, and it's very lonely for them to feel the pressure that they're supposed to have it all together. Uh, when often we don't have the answer and we have to figure it out. So I think the most effective leaders are the ones that know they're not in this alone and use the talent around them and be influenced by the talent around them because leadership really is a team sport. Absolutely. And I certainly know that I don't always have it all together all the time. So it's good to hear that. But uh, for you personally, how do you, how does Lorna have it together? What sort of resources has really helped you along your path and uh, your career? 
Well, when I left Shell, I had uh, quite a serious health diagnosis. It was absolutely the gift of my life because it drove me to therapy. I One of the things that I think I'm good at is normalizing all human behavior. I don't pathologize human behavior, even though transactional analysis is a psychology. It's not a pathologizing psychology. So I normalize all behavior because all behavior makes sense if we knew the backstory. If there's a leader that is an Attila the Hun leader, that style is a logical style if we knew what the backstory was. And most of us don't know what the backstory is. Um, yeah, so I, I think one of the gifts that I do is help people get help. That therapy isn't about being sick. It is about living and doing some things that aren't making a lot of sense and definitely aren't working very well. And there are people out there that can help. So go get help. You don't need to be sick in order to get better. Uh, so that's for sure one of my greatest resources is I have lots of permission to get help when I need it. Sometimes that's therapy. I think I like a shortcut to a happy life and I think that's what therapy gives us. I use lots of, uh, like I'm a fan of homeopathics. It's a alternative kind of healing modality that keeps my mind and my body grounded. I love massage because I think having healthy uh, uh, touch is, is so powerful. And I think it's one of the tragedies of COVID. We're all touch deprived. I think that's really significant. Uh, there's lots of people in my life that are resources. I have uh, children. Children are often our best teachers. They remind me sometimes in ways I don't always like about some things that I could be doing differently. And I sometimes think parenting and leadership is kind of the same thing. Different, different audience, but much of the same process. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I love that. I, I always say mental health is wealth and or real wealth. Um, so yeah, just especially during these times with COVID, like you're saying, it's just very challenging times for everybody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for you personally, have you, what sort of challenges have you seen the last six to seven months could be professionally or personally? Well, I really, it's, it's about <laughs> Uh, the challenge is how to stay connected, how to stay uh, connected and, and grounded. When COVID first hit, for my tech group, we only meet once a month. I set it up, we were meeting twice a week for an hour. Uh, we went like that for several weeks where everybody had a place to touch down, a place to come. We didn't, we sometimes talked about business. We talked about what they were doing and they shared knowledge, etc. They would report that the, the most valuable part was knowing they had a place to come to when they didn't have to 
have the answers, they could share and be vulnerable with each other and be connected. Know that they aren't alone, that other people are in a similar boat. And that was a tremendous emotional, psychological support, as well as, of course, an exchange of important information. Um, so I, I, I can't stress enough that we need to find ways of being connected. Absolutely. Especially with people saying the Zoom fatigue the last few weeks, it's, um, it's good to get that personal touch sometimes and really see people face to face. Um, but one thing I want to touch base with you on was, um, I believe it was a topic in the leadership inside and out, um, returning to work post COVID. Um, what sort of, what sort of tips or advice would you give people uh, looking to get back to the workplace, uh, I guess, post COVID? Yeah. Mm. Communicate, 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 communicate. We need to be free to tell people what's going on for us. Uh, when, what, what I know for sure is that when we feel anxious and scared, our brains are not functioning to do very clear thinking. It's really hard to solve a problem when we're in the grip of an anxiety uh, place. So a way of easing anxiety uh, paradoxically is talking about it because as soon as I start talking about what I'm feeling anxious about I begin naturally to start thinking about what I can do about it so when people are coming back to work I think it's just doing lots of talking and leaders especially need to over talk because every time we have a conversation we're having a connection you and I are connecting right here Although I'm talking way more than you, so <laughs> I feel like that would need to be balanced out a little bit more. <laughs> uh, talking and listening and making it personal. I think we have, because we've missed in these COVID times, the personal, the interpersonal connection. When people go back to work, it is them and us all having an experience that we are human beings first to have a personal connection that will support us doing the work we need to do. Absolutely. Um, one question I always love to ask um, is what's maybe one question, Lorna, that uh, you never get asked that uh, you wish you would be asked? Oh gosh, what would I always like to be asked? Um, when our kids and I uh, traveled for that year, nobody, they're, they're mostly curious about what that was like for the kids and what was the kids lesson. I don't often, now that I'm, I'm thinking about this, Joe, I don't think anybody's asked me what my lesson was. And it's connected because I want to tell you what my lesson was. <laughs> yeah, that's my next question. <laughs> ask me first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What was your lesson? <laughs> uh, and it's back to what I said about connection. We were gone for a year and we just had the four of us. Uh, we weren't as connected with internet in the year that, that we traveled. But what I learned in that year is I had some of the most fantastic uh, connected human 
connected experience with absolute strangers. And one, as I'm telling you, that comes to mind was having coffee in Dublin. Uh, Fred and the girls had gone someplace else, so I had an hour to myself. It was rather rare. I remember sitting in this coffee shop, having a conversation with a woman whose name I don't even know, but it was like we shared our soul stories over that hour. And I, I remember thinking at the time, Ireland was one of the first countries we visited in that year. I remember thinking, wow, I can create home and a sense of connection wherever I go. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Um, yeah, speaking on connection, what I know it's sometimes hard to uh, calculate or whatever, but what would you say are the maybe one or two pieces of, um, I guess, tips to really get that connection with somebody and really have that authentic experience uh, with uh, another person? We're experiencing it, I'm experiencing it right now with you in that to be present to the other person as they're talking means that neither you nor I are focused on the next question or what's gonna happen next. That very often in conversations, we're so busy often feeling anxious, quite frankly, with what I'm going to get, what I'm going to say and anxious about, am I going to get heard? That we're not really just present in the moment with what the other person is saying. Uh, or even, so we don't see the whole person. We're too focused on uh, managing our own uncertainty or managing our own anxiety and so often we spend so much of our time just trying to manage our anxiety and we're not even aware we're doing it and that blocks our connection so just be present absolutely i love that and that's something i'm working on too i think um it's something that's hard not to have a second thought or some other background noise in your head while you're talking to somebody, but really sitting down and really listening to somebody is something I think a lot of people could improve on, especially myself. So no, that's good to hear. Yeah. There's an acronym called WAIT and it stands for why am I talking? <laughs> I could ask myself that. I could ask myself that a little bit more often. Because I think sometimes we just talk too much. I know I talk. I know I talk too much. Wait. Wait. Okay. I love that. I, love that. <laughs> I definitely have to uh, implement some of that in my personal life. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I only have a few more questions here for you, Lorna. Um, one question I wanted to ask was, how has Calgary changed from when you first started uh, to now? It's changed a lot. One of the reasons after, um, after we traveled for the year and I had some clients uh, in, in Ireland, one of the reasons that I stayed doing work in Europe was because they had an attitude 
that any kind of a change process was slow and it needed a lot of nurturing and support. Uh, and Calgary was, in my view, I might be wrong, but I very much had the sense that if the people wanted a, a two-day workshop, two-day quick change workshop, and then it's going to all be better, we did our duty, we did this human piece, and then we can go on to the real work of running a business. Uh, and I think that's changed a lot that now I think there's a much greater awareness, even talking about mental health is a huge shift in not that many years that really is emphasizing that mental and emotional anything is significant. It's an important component to how people perform at work, how they feel influences how they perform. And that, that awareness of, we've always said that people are our most important asset. Well, what did that mean? It was like an asset. Now I think the attitude in Calgary is much more that people are humans that need to be um, acknowledged and validated and recognized. And it's not just a nice thing to do. That's what drives the bottom line. That's what makes you make more money. Mm -hmm. It's really uh, investing time and money in your people. That's why I think leadership from the inside out is very much an investment in people. I know that when those people go back to work, it's absolutely translated in financial terms. But there was a time that Calgary didn't believe there was a connection between human development and performance at work. So I, I think at least we now can have the conversation. I want more people to realize that there's such a solid connection between human development and financial success that everybody wins. Absolutely. And I really appreciate your investing your time and coming on the podcast to share all this great insight. Um, one thing I did want to touch on was, is there maybe something you're proud of that we haven't talked on, on the, or chatted on on the interview yet? Well, you know, my pride, I have lots of things that I feel proud about. And when I think especially of my tech group, I'm especially proud of how, how they have developed in their own capacity to show up in, certainly in our tech group, but show, I know they show up differently at work. So I am so proud of, of them for doing that hard inner reflection and staying with the discomfort that it brings up for them to know, um, to learn about themselves and to embrace change as, as an opportunity and not think of change as they're doing something wrong. 
or they're yeah doing something wrong or not good enough or something like that so i'm really proud about that yeah and i am i am proud of of me and my willingness to to also show up to be myself to not pretend like i've got it all together any more than the next guy uh i think i've got some tremendous knowledge that i can share and when people come to leadership from the inside out i think i facilitate that program in a way that really enriches people's lives absolutely enriches people's lives so i'm proud at how i create a place for learning that is safe enough and uncomfortable enough because those two things go together sometimes to leave with tremendous benefit for their lives and for all of those people at work whose lives uh, they they affect so i'm proud that i had the courage to say ready or not i'm doing it because i believe so strongly in the connection of human development and business success absolutely where can our listeners connect with you online or even um connect with you to learn more about uh the leadership and uh, the programs and your teachings yeah yeah thanks joe for asking so my website is uh thechangeinstitute.com and uh you can read about the program there follow me of course on linkedin lorna johnston and the change institute so uh love to have you follow me there and on facebook i haven't really done the facebook thing so please everybody could you follow me on facebook so i can <laughs> i can utilize that that resource so the change institute is the best thing what i'm doing in helping people have an opportunity to learn more about leadership from the inside out is i'm offering on uh september the 24th a noon hour uh, uh webinar webinar meeting zoom meeting that they can register at my website at thechangeinstitute.com just scroll down to find leadership and uh, would really welcome people coming and learning more about that program other than me rabbiting on about uh, human development and how great it is and that you're going to love transactional analysis because everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I'll definitely put all the links in the interview description so that people could easily find you. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. I usually like to ask my guests, um, leave the interview with a question, a phrase, or even um, a story for the audience uh, to leave them remembering them. So my last question to you, Lorna, is do you have a question, story, or even a phrase you'd like to leave the audience? Well, my favorite phrase is, what doesn't get talked out gets acted out. So I, I think talk, talk, talk which also means somebody has to be listening, listening, listening. And I have a bit of a sad story to end with. A really, uh, one of my very first clients in Ireland uh, reached out to me that um, he was recently diagnosed with cancer. And it's a pretty serious cancer. And he's a really funny guy. So I just, just before you and I were talking, I had a, a Zoom with him 
we had so many laughs and so many fond memories of our work. And he was saying that on his leadership team is one of the guys that I worked with. And he said, uh, um, when his name is David, he said, when he told John that he was going to be talking to me, John said, oh, remind her, she saved my life. So I feel really moved at how often when people learn about truly how how absolutely unconditionally lovable we are, even when we've been taught to believe otherwise, and how competent we are, and how much we have to give the world. Um, it is saving people's lives. It's giving them the opportunity to live their life fully. And when we have leaders that do that, you know, these guys are running a really big organization. And when those leaders wake up to their life and all that they can contribute, it really is um, my proudest kind of work and work that gives my life the most joyful meaning. It's a, such a joy to be able to do the work I do.